I want you to turn to Matthew 24, 1 to 3, and I'm going to show you what, <clears throat> what has prompted us to teach on this subject of the prophecies of Jesus. This is part two that we're going into here today. And I'm going to read uh, these first few verses just to put us all together here and remind us here of what we were looking at last week and then where we're going here today. Praise God. So if you look at 24.1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now Jesus was prophesying here that the temple would be destroyed. And then it goes on to say in verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, now this was whenever he was on the east side of the entrance to Jerusalem, and this uh, Mount of Olives is, is, is in height equal to that of the temple, and you can look over and see it. And anyone that's ever been there knows what I'm speaking about. When you're on the Mount of Olives, you can look right over and you can see the Temple Mount, and it's uh, very visible. So this is what they were looking at. They were looking at the temple in verse 3, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, and they asked him three questions, When shall these things be, that is, the temple destroyed? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world, or of the end of the age? And it could be referring, of course, to the dispensation age that they were in, or the period of time that they were familiar with. And uh, so these were the three questions that were asked Jesus, and that's what our uh, caption is here at the top that we, that we talked about. Now, I'm going to just make a brief reference here, very brief reference to what we talked about last week. And if you look at Matthew 24, we're still in that chapter, and go to verse 15. 15, I'm going to read this verse of Scripture here to just remind you of what we looked at last week. And it says, Jesus says here, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. And we talked to you and showed you scriptures in Daniel, where he talked about it. We also showed you in Josephus, a historical, uh, his, uh, a, a historian, historian of that time uh, who wrote about these things. It goes on to say here in verse 16, Then let him which is being Judea flee into the mountains. Now the Lord was telling them, When you see these things shaping up, then flee into the mountains. Uh, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. And neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Not in winter because it's going to be cold. It'd be, it'd be for cold, hot, it'd be for a long time. And also for the Sabbath day, it means it'll be a long journey. You'll be leaving for a long time, and you'll be going a long ways away from Jerusalem. Then he says in verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Now, this word tribulation here does not refer to the, what we call the tribulation period. 
And that's what we look at in the book of Revelation. We call it the tribulation period. Actually, the word tribulation is found only four times in Revelation. All of them are in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Only one of them refers to that period of time that we refer to as the tribulation period. Now, I'll show you a chart here in a little bit on that period of time, and I call it the tribulation period. We all call it, all Bible scholars call it that. But here in the Bible where it refers to the tribulation, it's referring to the Jews being scattered throughout the world for a period of time. And it's still that way today. That happened in 70 A.D. The Romans came down and took the city and destroyed it and so forth. And, of course, I'm going to also read to you out of Luke. Luke 21, Luke gives a little bit more description about the armies coming, where Matthew talks about the abomination of desolation. Luke talks about the, the coming of the army. If you look in Luke 21, and I'm just reestablishing last week very quickly here. <clears throat> Luke 21:20. look at this very closely. It's pretty well the same thing that Matthew says. And when you shall see that Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh or near. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, let them which are in the midst of the depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these are be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Look at verse 23. But woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, that is in Israel, and wrath upon this people, that is the Jews. And they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword, and they did, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and they were. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, and it was, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And we spoke about this last week, how the temple and the city was destroyed. And this is all recorded in history. And you can read it in various history books. But uh, there was 1,100,000 Jews that were killed whenever the army, Roman army came in because they, were, they believed with all their heart that God would not let this happen. And yet Jesus had already prophesied about it that it would happen. So the Christian Jews, the Christian Jews that were uh, Jesus name baptized, Holy Ghost filled, walking with God, serving the Lord, believed in Jesus Christ, and served the Lord, <clears throat> that lived in Jerusalem and all around that Judea area, when they saw that Roman army coming toward Jerusalem, they said, it's time to move, it's time to leave. Jesus told us, when we see that, get out of here. So they left, and there was not any Christian Jews that were left there. They went to a, a city called Pella, which is over in what's called Jordan today, across the Jordan River, further north up. And uh, they went to a city up there, and later from there spread up into Macedonia, these Christian Jews did. Now, I won't go any further into that, but only to say that if you keep always in harmony with the Word of God, you'll always be on the right track and you'll always be doing the right thing. Always stay with the word. Folks, always stay with the word. Praise God. So <clears throat> this is what happened. And it goes on to say here that uh, the, the time of the Gentiles. Now, one other verse of scripture here that I'll read, because Luke says in the last 24th verse, he says that this Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until, until, notice that, the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. 
and we are still in the times of the Gentiles. It's been 2,000 years. We talked to you last week how that the Lord had said that it would be for 2,000 years in Hosea 6-2. Uh, Jerusalem shall be in bondage like this for two days, and on the third day I'll raise her up. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years one day. We mentioned that last week. I want to go into detail. Look in Romans eleven twenty-five. I re- referred to this, but I did not uh, have you read it. But it's a confirmation to Luke uh, twenty-one twenty-four. Here, uh, this is what Paul writes about the Jews when he was writing about them and their their place in God and how that they have been put aside because they did not believe in Jesus Christ. This is uh, Romans eleven twenty five four. I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, let me just say this today before we go any further, folks. That's where we are coming now. We are coming to this place where the fullness of the Gentiles are being completed. God has been so good to the Gentiles. His mercy went out. You know, he he told those uh, disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Baptizing. Talks about it in Matthew. He talks about it in uh, Mark. At least that Matthew and Mark is both recording the same thing that Jesus said. And so they went out and began to preach. That's what Paul did. Paul was the apostle, he said, to the Gentiles, a special call that he had from God. And uh, that's why I think Pastor Davy was preaching on this the other day, that uh, the, the, the apostles cast lots to see who would be the one to take Judas's carrot's place, and it fell on Matthias. But Matthias was not the one God chose. The one God chose was, was, uh, was Paul, Paul. And he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And, of course, he wrote most of the epistles in the New Testament because most of them would be to Gentiles like we are. Not all, but, you know, most of us. And so so that's the, pretty well the way it goes. Now, uh, I want to talk to you here about a little bit, a little bit further here. The church age, that is the time of the Gentiles and God's dealing with the, with the, with the Gentile, means the Gentiles would be saved and walk with God and would be God's people. That would be so you would have in the New Testament or in the church age period or in this period of time of 2000 years, you would have the Jews who are who are on the back burner with God. You would have the Gentiles who, who do not serve the Lord. Then you would have the church of God, the church of God, which is God's people on this earth. And so during this period of time, that's what you have had people living for God, people not living for God. And then the Jews who had a measure of knowledge of God but did not believe in Jesus Christ being the Messiah and so forth. Now, I'm going to move on a little further here because I want to talk to you here about uh, the church age that followed, Matthew 24, 23. Now, this is where Matthew talks about the second question that was asked him. When shall these things be the destruction of the temple and, and of thy coming and of the end of the world and so forth. So I'm going to pick up here where this leaves off. If you look at 24 and, uh, and 23. I'm sorry, let's see. Uh, Matthew 24, 23 to 27. 
That's not where I want it. Go look at 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars upon the earth, distress of nations and perplexities and seas. The sea waves roaring. This is tsunamis. Men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now, folks, this is what's coming down the pike. And we'll be talking to you about this. And he goes on to say here in verse 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with the power and great glory. We'll talk about Armageddon here in a little bit. And they said, When you begin to see these signs, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Behold, And then he talks about the fig tree. So your redemption draweth nigh whenever you start seeing signs. Now we will begin to see these signs before long. Uh, there's been messages in tongues, interpretations telling us that we're going to be seeing these things. So these things are coming down the line, and they are at our way here, at, at coming at us here. Uh, I want you to notice here that in the church age, uh, he says, beware of false prophets. The church age that followed, Matthew 24, 23. Uh, I'm sorry, I was in Luke. 24, 23. Let me read this now. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, there, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Now here's a warning that the Lord's giving us. Listen to me very closely here. That in this church age, be careful who people become your way saying they are the Messiah or they are a prophet and that they are going to tell you what you should do, what you should live, how you should act. That's not of God at all. Here's when he warns us of that. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great wonders, signs and great wonders, and so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Let me just stop here a moment and just tell you, I was, uh, well, we were in the old church many years ago. We've been here now in Palm Bay 51 years. And uh, I don't know when that was. That's been 30 years ago, I guess. But we're in the old church building down on Palm Bay Road, down close to US-1. And a small church, small congregation back then. You were a small congregation. And uh, I was at the church by myself. And here comes two guys walking down the down Palm Bay Road there with bathrobes and flip-flops on and canes in their hands, you know. Flip-flops on, bathrobes. And they came right on up to the church, came in. I said, hey, how are you guys doing? I looked them over here. <laughs> they said, we are Moses and Elijah. This is Moses and I'm Elijah. And we've come back to the earth. And we're here to talk to people that will listen to us. I said, you're Moses and Elijah? They said, yes. And I said, I'm glad to meet you guys. I'm Doubting Thomas. <laughs> I've told you that before. But I said, I'm Doubting Thomas. So anyhow, I left, that, left it with them. They finally figured it out, but I didn't believe in what they were saying. So I said, when you go, when you leave, make sure you shut the door on your way out there and everything. And they went on down the road, and I don't know whatever happened to them. But uh, anyhow, they were false prophets. You understand what I'm saying? They were not Moses and Elijah. Now, uh, back in 86, I have a little, on my desk in my office there, I got a little can, a little Coke can. 
I got the date on the bottom. I think it was 80, 1986 or 7 or 8. Or I've got on the bottom of that can. But I bought it in Korea. Now, here's what happened. We had an invitation to go to Korea. All expenses paid. A great place to buy clothes and and go to go to Seoul and go to Itaewon and all the clothes they sell and everything is fabulous. Everything. But it's expensive, you know, plane trip over there and back and everything. It's all expenses paid, hotel for a week. You know? We said, Wow, who's paying for it? Sun Myung Moon. Sun Myung Myung Moon. Oh, he's the guy that claims he's the Messiah. Yeah, he claims he's the Messiah. And he wants people to come over there and visit his his land. And uh, and he actually tries to convert you, try to make you a believer of Sun Young Moon being the Messiah. And so uh, we said, well, they're not going to change me. And so uh, that was my son went, Pastor and I and and Eddie, Ed went. And uh, that, was a, that was a bunch of us that went over there. And we got on a plane and flew. I mean, flew clear over, stopped in Alaska, and went from there on over and flew to, to Seoul. My wife went with us and some other people and people from Orlando, a bunch of us went over there. And we just had a high old time. You know, we shopped and went to all those kind of things, but we'd listen to their little speeches and things, you know, and wouldn't carry on. But that was what they were doing. They were trying to convert us, you know. And uh, they did. They had converted. We found out there were some people they had converted over. They had converted. Anyhow, where's that guy today? He's dead. He's dead. You know, he's supposed to be the Messiah, right? He said Jesus Christ made the mistake of not marrying. He should have married, and that was his big mistake. So he believed in being married and all that. And I won't go into all that detail. But he was a false Christ. Just one of them. Now that's been characters like that all through time, and there will be some more. And there's going to be an Antichrist that will come during the tribulation period. I call that tribulation period now. That's the, the one in, in the book of Revelation. And the Antichrist is going to come. And he's going to deceive a lot of people. And they're going to think he is the Christ. And he's going to do wonders and so forth. I won't get into all that. Only to say that the Lord gave us a warning here in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 through 24. And I'm going to read verse 25 on down through 27. Let me finish reading this. Look at verse 25. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. They say, oh, he's in here, he's up there, he's out there, he's out there. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy I know that was fanning around over there in the Middle East over there that they was trying to say he was the Messiah and everything, and that all passed. These people all die, you know, they all die away, and then the, the story all ends, you know, and everything. Uh, let me just say one thing here, that the Bible tells us, praise the Lord, Jesus is going to come through the sky. He'll not come walking with bathrobe and flip-flops down the road. Or he'll not, you know, come around and start having you sell flowers to raise money so we can try to proselyte other people. He's not going to do all that stuff. Now, here's where it says that. There, look at verse 26. Wherefore, if they shall say to you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not out. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I'm just giving you sort of a heads up here 
on what we might look for. And the Lord warns us here. That's a little warning that he gave us here in the book of Matthew. And I'm going to have you go to number three here. Number three here. And this is getting where we are now. At the end of the church age, that's getting close to where we are, the events of the book of Revelation will begin to happen, begin to happen. Now, we're in Matthew chapter, reading there in 24. Look at Matthew 24, 29. Look at 29. I'm going to pick up there on that verse. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, tribulation here is referring to that period of time that the Jews be scattered in all the world that I just read to you. That's up in verse 21. For then shall be great tribulations that was not since the beginning. Now, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, when the Jews are no longer scattered throughout the world, and then God's beginning to bring them back of those days, shall the sun be darkened, look at this, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. These are probably meteorites that will bombard the earth through the atmosphere and just look like stars falling like crazy. Because we know that stars way out there, many, so many of them are great suns bigger than the earth. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, let me just take a moment here and talk to you about this, these signs that are coming on the earth. And these are things that are coming, and they're not here yet, but things are shaping up for it, folks. Folks, a lot of crazy things are beginning to happen. If we're not seeing that, we don't have our eyes open. You know about the big shooting they had out in Texas. I, I, I see that. On, I was watching it on the news just before I came to church. And honestly, it brought tears to my eyes. I can't help it. All those poor kids. I mean, 19 of them killed and two women and two teachers. I mean, just shot down. Crazy. And then last week, another guy killed some people up there in, in Buffalo, New York. Just shot them down. Crazy. You know, I mean, what's what's going on with people? And then you see things in the weather. What's going on with the weather? I mean, it's, it's cold in some places where it should be warm and it's dry in some places that should be should be raining at a certain time of the year. Then there's forest fires, they keep burning and burning. And then there's mass floods and mudslides and villages being covered over and earthquakes. So I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, is getting close to your coming. This is just things that are happening around us. And I start seeing all of these things, and I say, God, if there's anything that I want to make sure, I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss your coming. You see, all these things, praise the Lord, as they're happening, as we come to the close of it and the end of it, we'll, talk, we'll look at more scriptures in a moment here. The Bible tells us, praise the Lord, that we are to look up when these things begin to happen, for your redemption draweth nigh. That means Jesus is coming back. Not, praise the Lord, at Armageddon, but he's coming back then for his church. He will come back first for his church, and then he will come back at Armageddon with his church with great power. Then all eyes will see him, and everybody will behold him, and everybody will see him, and, and uh, it will be an awesome thing to, for them to have to see. But when the church is raptured away, the Bible says he'll come as a thief in the night. He'll come, will 
and we'll be changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. Our bodies, praise the Lord, will go from a natural body to a spiritual body. All they'll see probably, and I'm just guessing here, it's just our old clothes laying there because we'll have a new robe that we'll have that the Lord will give us in this glorified body that he will give us. We do not yet know how we shall appear, but we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We'll have a glorified body like as under his glorified body, his glorified body. Praise the Lord. His glorified body was uh, was such that uh, he was brighter than the noonday sun when he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus and so forth. I won't go into all the detail there. I'm just trying to say here that there's a great time that's coming for the church. And none of us, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to be playing around. You don't want to be messing around. You don't want to be messing around with the world and sin. And this is what the Lord was talking about here with all this kind of stuff. So the coming judgments of God are coming. And uh, I want you to notice here, he's saying, now let me get on into our word here. A, uh, let me read, let me finish number three here. At the end of the church age, the events of the book of Revelation will begin to happen. And I read Matthew 24, 29 through 30. And uh, let me have you go to Luke 21. Go to Luke 21 just to... to uh, let you see it from Luke's side of it as well. 25. 25. Remember, we read down to you earlier how that the Jews would be scattered throughout all the world. I'm going to read verse 24 again so that we understand that. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive. That's the Jews now. Led away in all nations, and they were. Jerusalem shall be trodden out of the Gentiles, and it was until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Verse 25. And then... And there shall be signs in the sun now. That's when this happens. And in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring, tsunamis. Men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now, I want to give you a little... uh, reference here on some things that's also in in line here with us i want you to look with us uh i'm looking here at when these things begin to come to pass and look up i think i'm looking at luke 34 where's my pen yeah all right all right yeah luke 20 luke 21 and, and 28 and then, and when these things begin to come to pass, now if you've got a pen, underline the word begin. If you've got a pen in your Bible, or make a note of it in your notes there. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Praise the Lord. So when these things begin to happen, so when we start seeing these things beginning to happen, Amen. It's time for us to begin to say it's time for the Lord to come. Lift up your head for the Lord's coming. And then, now, he gives us a warning here of that we should be cautious about things about ourselves, that we should be a warning about things that we do not get into carnality. Look at verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, unless any of your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. So that that day come upon you unaware, for as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy 
to escape all these things that shall come to pass. You notice that? Praise the Lord. All these things that shall come to pass. Praise the Lord. Now, when these things begin to take up, then we all look up. A warning to the church not to become carnal and worldly. And these scriptures are given us to hear. Now, let me talk to you about the coming of the Lord's judgment. God's judgment is coming. So when you start seeing these things kind of pass, then look up. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Revelation chapter 6. Go to the book of Revelation. Now, I'm bypassing a lot of stuff when I go to Revelation 6, but I'm getting to the point of what's coming on the earth. What's coming on the earth. And when these things start happening, folks, you do not want to be here. You want to be there. Everybody still with me? Look at... uh, I'm going to save you some time. It talks about the four horses of the apocalypse, they call them. The white horse, the red horse. The white horse was false peace. The red horse is war that will begin to happen on the earth. This is in verses 3 and uh, 4. And uh, it's a very terrible time. Let me just read it anyhow. 6 and 3. It's not, it's not in your notes, but it's in... It's in the scriptures here. When he had opened the, the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there was went out another horse that was red, and the power was given unto him that set thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now, the world knows that we're on the verge and could easily flop into a world war. How many of you understand that? I mean, I don't know what Russia is going to do over there yet. I know that South Korea's got the bomb. You know, they got that the, 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 the atomic bomb. Iran is trying to have it. You know, besides that, I know the European Union countries, they have it. I know France has it. England has it. Uh, I don't know who else has it. We have it. I don't know all the countries that have it. I haven't kept up with it. But I'm just trying to, I think China has it also. I'm just trying to tell you here today, folks, that this world is in a very precarious situation. Praise the Lord. And it just will not continue to go on and on. Just think, just like what's happening over there in, in, in Eastern Europe now, you know, Russia invading another country, trying to take it over and everything, because it used to be in the old Soviet bloc anyhow. And and and, uh, and Putin wants to take it back and bring it back in, and it's not happening. So there's all this fighting and this war going on. And so who knows where that's going to go. China now is talking about taking Formosa. And we've already, our president just said, if Formosa, if that happens, we'll send troops over there. Whoa, wait a minute. And that's not, was not our policy, but he made that statement. And so they said, well, we sent American troops there. And he said, yes. And then uh, he said, we'll stay with our policy. Well, our policy was not that we'd send American troops. But anyhow, how is it going to go? I don't know how it's going to go. I'm just telling you, things are getting crazy. That's why you don't want to mess around with the Lord. You don't want to mess around with your salvation. You don't want to get worldly and carnal. Praise God. These things are all brewing. And so it talks about wars. Then it goes on to talk about uh, that there's another horse that would be, uh, look at the next one here. I'm in, I'm in Revelation 6 and I'm reading here and not in my notes yet. I'm, I'm, by, I'm off of that, 
But look at verse 5. When he had opened the third seal, I heard the beast say, Come and see and look, and behold, a black horse. Then he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. That means a war has been fought, and the balance is in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the friend say, A measure of wheat for a penny, a penny for a barley, for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. That's the rich. So the poor will be suffered. And then finally, when you get to the, the pale horse, number eight, I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that read on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto him, unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Beasts of the earth who, that will get hungry and get to go be eating people. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here what the Bible teaches us is coming. Now, down here in verse 12, look at this closely with me. I'm jumping down here now and I'm going into our notes here. Look at reverse, uh, Revelation 6, 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. That's as much of what we're reading over in Matthew and over in, over in Luke that Jesus was speaking of. And fell to the earth, even as a fig tree cast her own timely figs when she was shaken of a mighty wind. Verse 14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Uh, this, this scripture here in the heavens departed as a scroll. You know, the old scroll, they, the books, they didn't have books like this back in the olden days. They were, everything was on a scroll. So you would read it, you'd roll it and unroll it, and then you'd roll it out like this. So the heavens, all the stars up there, all of a sudden they would start moving like a scroll. I told you here not long ago about a dream that I had back some 50 years ago, over 50, 52, three or four years ago, where that the Lord was impressing me that the only thing that mattered was the things of God. And that I was at the campground with my wife and my, my children, my, uh, my daughter, Denise, and, and my son, your pastor, were just children then. And we were, this was, and I was dreaming this. I was dreaming at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was dreaming that we were at this campground. And I was walking out of the camp tabernacle and walking toward the east across the campground, going over to a little concession stand there where they had drinks and stuff, snacks, after church stuff. And as I walked I saw the, the sky begin to light up, and I began to hear some shrieking sounds. And somebody says, the Lord is coming. And I grabbed my daughter's hand, I grabbed my wife's hand, she grabbed my hand and grabbed my son's hand. And the four of us in my dream was walking toward the light. And I can remember seeing the stars of the heavens like a scroll shooting across the sky, just shooting across the sky. That was in the dream. That was, in the, that was not real. That was in a dream. And I just saw all of that. And, and I knew at that moment that Jesus was fixing to come and we would be changed. And we would no longer be like we are today. We'd be, a, be changed and have a glorified body like I said. The rapture was going to take place. And the thing that went through my mind, and this is why God gave me the dream, the only thing from here on that matters is what's been done for God. Everything else means nothing. Everything else means nothing. Your cars, your houses, your, uh, your bank accounts, uh, whatever is important to you in this life. 
You know, all of that will mean nothing at this point. The only thing that will matter is what's been done for the Lord. Praise the Lord. And man, I'm telling you, I woke up and I got down on my knees beside the bed and I had a long prayer meeting with the Lord. And I said, God, don't let me get too sidetracked with all the material things of life that I forget that the most important thing that I'm doing on this earth for me is, is, is in, in growing a church as we were back then over in uh, Port St. Joe. The only, the most important thing in the world is to keep conscious of winning souls, growing the church, working to do the, doing the work of God. Praise the Lord. And you know, folks, it's still that way. It hasn't changed. That's still the most important thing. And whenever that moment does come, and it will, when it does come, I want you to know the most important thing will be what we have done for the Lord here on this earth. Praise the Lord. So keep on winning souls. If you're teaching Bible studies, keep on winning Bible studies. And keep on winning souls and teaching those home Bible studies. If you're knocking on doors sometimes and biting people, if you're handing out tracts down at Walmart, well, I don't care. Whatever you're doing, if you're visiting people from here to there and just saying, I just came to invite you to church, visiting family members, friends or whatever, or talking to them about the Lord, keep on doing what you're doing. There's some people going to say, oh, I'm not interested in Sure. But later on, they may be interested. They may call you and say, would you come and tell me about what you were telling me about? I'm just telling you that we're nearing that day and hour and time. And it's a time that we need to be very serious about our walk with God. I'm going to move this. I'm going to move on now and read this last portion here. Look at this closely with me. So the heavens shall depart like a scroll. Then we'll read verse 15 here. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondsman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks. This is in that tribulation period of the, of the it's in the book of Revelation now, after the church is gone. They'll hide themselves in dens and in the rocks and the mountains and, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Praise God. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. Praise God. And <clears throat> the wrath of the Lord. Uh, I want you to look at Isaiah 13, 9. I'm going to go there very quickly here. And then I'm going to come back and show you some things. Look at Isaiah. This is where this, this is recorded. You'll... Now, I'm going to give you three scriptures in Isaiah on what we have just read. It will repeat the same thing we've just read. I could also give you scriptures in Jeremiah. I could give you to them in Ezekiel. I could give you to them in Joel. I could give, you to, give it to you also in Habakkuk. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to read these three here in Isaiah. Look at Isaiah and uh, I think 13, 9. 13.9 is, is in your notes. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, <coughs> to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Now, this is a prophecy before the book of Revelation was ever written. This is a prophecy before Jesus ever came. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened. 
and is going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Look at verse 13. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall be removed out of her place of the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the days of his fierce anger. So I'm just giving you here some scriptures in the Old Testament. I read to you in the 13th chapter. Look in uh, Isaiah chapter 2. Look in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 10. This is where that those rich men in, in Revelation talks about great men. They'll cry for the rocks to fall on them and hide us from the face. Look what it says over here in Isaiah 2, 10. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. Jumping to verse 19. Jumping to verse 19. Where are we here? Yeah, okay, 1921. There we are. 19 through 21. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. Verse 20. That day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one of them to worship. To the molds of the bad. Verse 21. And to the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. <clears throat> you understand here what I'm doing. I'm just reading in Isaiah here. These scriptures here about the judgments of God. I'm reading one more here in Isaiah 24.1. Behold the Lord maketh the earth empty, maketh it waste, turneth it upside down, scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Verse 5, this is 24.5 of Isaiah. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. <clears throat> and... Uh, And then verses 17 to 20. Look at that. Then I'm going to finish that up. And I won't read none of the other because there's many other scriptures like this. Fear in the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitants of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that cometh out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows <clears throat> from on high are open and the fountains of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall be to reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. I'm just pointing out to you what has already been prophesied in Isaiah. And they talked about over here in the book of Revelation. So these judgments are due upon the world here, these judgments. And uh, now, go to number five here. Look at this very closely here. <clears throat> we who are the church, look at this closely now, will not suffer God's judgments or his wrath. And this is in Isaiah, it's in verse 6, 17, that last verse we read, which says, for the great day of his wrath is coming, who shall be able to stand? Now, let me show you some verses of scripture 
to let you understand that if you walk with God and serve the Lord, that you do not have to fear all of these judgments coming on the earth. This is what Revelation is going to be all about when you read, starting especially in chapter 6 on from there on. It talks about all of these events and judgments and things that come and pass on the earth. Uh, I'm going to go have you go with me to First uh, Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5. Praise the Lord. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. So when you talk about the wrath of God, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is in First Thessalonians 5, 9. If you've got a pen, underline that verse in your Bible. It's a very precious verse. I'm going to add to that by reading over here in 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And to wait for his son from heaven, that's us, that's where we are now, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. We're talking about the wrath to come. Everybody still with me now? So when you read about the wrath mentioned in Revelation and then you see where it's confirmed over in Isaiah and other verses of Scripture, I could read, I could probably read five other Scriptures in the Old Testament where it speaks of the same thing, the wrath of God that's coming on the earth. That we are not appointed to that. We're not appointed to that. <clears throat> Let me give you another Scripture in Romans. That's in First Thessalonians. Where am I? I don't even know where you are. All right. Look in Romans 5, 9. First Thessalonians 5, 9, Romans 5, 9. Look at what it says here. Much more than, than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So there's three scriptures here. In the mouth. Bible says in the mouth of two or three scriptures, let every word be established. Three scriptures here tells us we are not appointed unto his wrath. Folks, live for God, walk with God, serve the Lord with all your heart, and God will keep his hand on us. Praise the Lord, protect us. Guide us, keep us, praise the Lord in all things. He will keep us, praise God. Now, I'm going to go to the last one here, number six. The coming of the Lord at Armageddon. Now, I'm going to show you a chart here so that you'll understand here where we are. And I know you can't see it very good because this covers... Let me just spread it out like that. And I'm going to hit this detail button there where you can see it a little bit. Now, I, this chart is so, is, is so detailed until I actually have it uh, in three categories. I have this part of it in one, one chart and this part in another chart and then this part here to the end in another chart. And uh, that way uh, I, can, I can show it or close up. But without doing that, let me just show you this. This little hairline that you see over here, up at the top here, it says the rapture of the church. It represents the rapture of the church. The Lord's coming is the next major thing to happen. These four lines up here are the four horses of the apocalypse in chapter 6. Then it starts talking about all the judgments and all the things that are happening. It goes on and on and on here. And it talks about all this tribulation that we go right on over here, right on through 
all this period of time until you come to Armageddon. This is Armageddon right here. This era here represents Armageddon. The Lord comes here for his church. We are caught away with him to glory. The Bible says that Armageddon, he will come with his church, with 10,000 of his saints. He will come with 10,000 of his Look in Revelation chapter 19 with me for a moment here. And this is spoken of extensively in the Bible. Look at Revelations 19. This is where that it happens in the book of Revelation. Verse 19, 11. Everybody with me? And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. <clears throat> now, I might just say this. Most of the description of things that are spiritual and heavenly is in symbolic terms. It's probably because our carnal minds could not grasp it or understand it. I won't go into details about it, but everywhere in the Bible, mostly in Revelation and other books of prophecy of Ezekiel and Daniel other places, when it speaks about those spiritual things and heavenly things, it's usually always in symbolic terms, especially like in the book of Ezekiel. But this is an example of it here. <clears throat> I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. That's because he shed his blood. And his name is called the Word of God. If you look in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14, John 1 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the Word of God made flesh. I won't get into that, but this is another one here that ties in with that. And his name is called the Word of God. Look at verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Look at that. Fine linen. Now, if we were to back up to the seventh verse, it would say this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. That's the church. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Praise the Lord. That's in verses 7 and 8. I just backed up for that. That's not in your scriptures there. Now I'm going to go back here to uh, verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Verse 15, that's the church. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that, had, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress and the fierceness with the wrath of the Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I could go on reading all about, about the description of it here. Uh, let me have you look at Zechariah a minute. Uh, that's in your notes there. I've got it covered here because I'm referring here. And I'll move on here because I'm referring here to this coming at Armageddon here. When the Lord comes Armageddon. And when he does, he sets up a thousand years of peace on this earth. And the devil's bound a thousand years. And I won't get into all of that. That's, that's yet to happen. But I'm right back here where we are now. And uh, 
I mean, Zechariah 14, 3, if you look at that verse of Scripture with us, I'm winding this up now. God bless you. You've been a good audience here tonight. Look at Zechariah 14, 3. Verse 2, I didn't read that one, but it says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Verse 3 now. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olivets, Olives, I mean, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. Notice here that when Jesus comes at Armageddon and he puts his feet upon the Mount of Olives, it's going to split open. And it's going to divide. It's going to divide east and west. It'll, it, half will go north, half will go south. Look at this scripture here on for, verse 4. <clears throat> and the Mount of Olives, which is up on Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east, toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall be as it was in Azel, yea, shall ye flee as ye fled before in the earthquake of the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the earth... And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. All right. I won't go any further. There's much more to be said about the earth dividing and all those kind of things. Uh, go to book Acts. Go to books. I'm going to finish this up with this. Go to the book of Acts now, chapter 1. This is very interesting. Jesus is about to go back into heaven after his resurrection. Everybody with me? I'm moving, you know, I'm moving you back and forth quite, quite extensively. Now we're in Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus takes his disciples out across that Kidron Valley over to the Mount of Olives. And he's walking along with them. And he's in, a, he's in his resurrected body. And he's been on earth for 40 days. And he's talking to them. And he tells them that they should go back to Jerusalem and wait there until the power of the Holy Ghost comes. Now look at verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up from the Mount of Olives. Look at that. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two, two men stood by them in white apparel. Can you guess who they were? Sure, they were angels. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's why he's not going to come down the street in bathrobe. <laughs> or he's going to be out in a, in a, in a, in a, in a inner chamber, or he's going to be out in some desert place. He's going to come. He's going to come just like he went up, he'll come back. But this is interesting here about Armageddon. Look at verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, or Olives, Mount of Olives. So they were, Jesus ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. He'll come back for his church, meet us in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And this is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and all through the Bible there about the Lord coming back for his church. But then when he comes back at Armageddon, folks, praise the Lord, the Bible says that he will come with ten thousands of his saints, and that he will come right back to this earth here, and whenever he does this Mount of Olives, and when he does, he touches it, and it's going to split open, and there's going to be water that will flow out of Jerusalem, 
and it'll flow down into the Dead Sea and it will heal all the Dead Sea and all the Salt Sea and everything there and it will no longer be a Salt Sea anymore. And for a thousand years, it'll be some of the best fishing in the world if you like to fish. <laughs> but you and I will have a place with the Lord. Amen. We will be with Jesus wherever he is in the holy city. Praise God. Will it be on the earth, in the earth, or above the earth, or far above? I don't know. But the holy city, the Bible describes in Revelation chapter 22, will be streets of gold. We'll have mansions over there. Folks, we cannot imagine, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither had they in their hearts of man, what God has prepared for them that love him. God so loves his people, folks, and he's got something great for us. Don't lose what you've got. Don't for nothing, for nothing. And if you ever wander or the world or whatever it is out there, just say, excuse me, I got to go pray. I got to get back to God. I got to get close to the Lord, folks. So this is the greatest thing in the world. And if you're not there, get there. All you got to do is repent of your sins. Say, Lord, forgive me of all my... And give up that old worldly lifestyle that you had back there. <clears throat> give up the world. Get baptized in Jesus' name. Ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. Praise the Lord to give you joy, peace, and happiness on the inside. Go to church faithfully. Praise the Lord. Live for God. Serve the Lord. And one day, and it won't be long. It won't be long. When you begin to see these things, then look up where the Lord draws now. Let's stand together and give him the praise. And let's just worship God. Oh, Lord, we love you so much. Jesus, you're so good to your people. Thank you, God. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. We ask you, Jesus, to keep us all in the center of your will. Keep us, God, living for you, serving you, walking with you, believing in you, trusting in you, Lord. Bless this congregation here today, Lord. Meet back with us at the appointed time, Jesus. We give you the praise and glory for all things in Jesus' name. Amen.